All righty, guys. Welcome back. And uh, joining me on the line for uh, take two, uh, the paleo runner himself, Aaron Olsen. How are you, buddy? Hey, Jeff. It's great to be on the show again. Yeah, well, and we and we say again because uh, Aaron understands as a fellow podcaster. Uh, Aaron and I got together last week and uh, recorded some absolutely awesome content. Only trouble was, uh, I think I messed it all up on my end, buddy. I'm so sorry because the final product was so ordinary. Uh, it was barely uh, distinguishable in parts. So, man, I apologise to you, Aaron, and I apologise to our listeners, but uh, as I said to Aaron, I think I will put that audio out somewhere in the next uh, month or so because there was some great stuff we chatted about. It just sounds very, very horrible. I hope today sounds a bit better. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. You know, as a podcaster myself, that's happened to me before where the audio wasn't quite right. But you know what? Sometimes I, I still put it out there just because I thought that there was things that could still help people. Yeah, absolutely. And and the reason we're chatting with Aaron is uh, the Paleo Runner podcast. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan. And uh, I've been listening for a long time and uh, just sort of observing from the sidelines. But, man, it got to the point where uh, I really wanted to have you on my show just to chat around everything that you were doing, you know, over there at paleorunner.org. I must say, man, your blog, the website and the blog is just spectacular. Uh, Some great content that you blog around. You're a great writer, man. You write some great stuff, and uh, it really complements what you're doing with uh, with the audio version, which is the podcast. Oh, thanks a lot, Jeff. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's been fun. I've been blogging and podcasting for over a year now, just kind of trying to share my journey and my experiences that I've had because uh, it's just for me, it's just it's a fun way to connect with other people that are like minded and and uh, it's always good to share new ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we spoke about the other day, you know, I I come from a background of uh, you know, uh, well, I, I th- it's funny, you know, since we spoke last week, I thought a lot about how I grew up. I grew up on meat and three veg, which was okay. like a, a real typical Australian meal in uh, in the sixties. Was uh, you know, you had uh, porridge for breakfast, you know, or oats. Um, you had uh, not much else through the day. You had maybe uh, a sandwich and some fruit for lunch, um, and then tea was always meat and three veg. Uh, with, uh, you know, maybe a, a small amount of ice cream or some sort of sweet for dessert. And that was pretty much it. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden as a, a training and racing athlete and as a coach, I got into this whole thing of uh, grains, grains and more grains. <laughs> and uh, it's it's kind of funny. I'm back on the meat and three veg again, man. It's been a, a real – and that's where I, I sort of, you know, the bell was ringing for me listening to you on the paleo runner because I sort of – initially I discounted the, the paleo – you know, way of doing things. Oh, it's just another fad, you know, or a cult as uh, our buddy Matt Fitzgerald would like to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I find myself, man, I've drifted right back around, you know, to that, uh, that paleo way of eating. And man, I can say, uh, it's absolutely working for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the thing that you bring up about how you eat, used to eat when you were a kid, um, you, you ate a lot of vegetables and then some meat, it probably had some fat on the meat and you probably didn't think much about eating it. But then as, as we start to get more serious about running and things like that, we hear from nutritionists, well, you, you've got to change your lifestyle, your way of eating, and, and kind of override some of your natural inc- inclinations, and you've got to start eating as many grains as you possibly can. Kind of how in the early 90s and through early 2000s, they told us we have to drink as much water as possibly tolerable. So it, a lot of times we're constantly told to override our natural instincts. And that's part of the paleo way of looking at things is that our instincts are actually trying to tell us something. So the fact that we crave things like fat, 
that's actually a good thing. It's it's served us well evolutionarily through millions of years. You know, fat has been able to provide us with some great energy. Uh, when we were out there, if you've read Born to Run, when we were chasing the antelopes, we didn't have the the opportunity to throw back a goo every 15 minutes. And so what we had to do was rely on our fat. And the fat storage that's under our skin and in, in our muscles, that's a great source of energy. And uh, as I was talking with Tim Noakes on my podcast just a few days ago, he, he, he's really come around to that way of thinking as well, is that when he was a kid, he ate lots of vegetables and lots of meat, and uh, he was great. But then as he started getting more into marathoning, he was told, oh, you've got to do the whole grains. And uh, what he's coming around to now is that might not be true. And, and for him, the, the higher fat diet has really helped improve his, uh, his disease, uh, type 2 diabetes, and uh, just the way he feels and, and runs in general. Yeah, absolutely, man. I must say you've had some, uh, some top-flight uh, people on your show, man. It, uh, I get very jealous at times listening to your show, man, because you've got a lot of people on there that I would love to talk to. And, and Tim Noakes, uh, you know, that is just a, a, honestly a classic interview you've done with him. Now, I have so much respect for people like Tim Noakes, you know, right back to the days of the original book that he wrote, The Law of Running, which was kind of mm-hmm. like the Bible for us and has been um, for so many years. And then he released his book, Waterlogged, where, you know, he debunked this whole thing about we should be guzzling three or four litres of water a day. Um, and he started to talk more about drinking when you're thirsty, eating when you're hungry and locking into, as you just summed it up beautifully, you know, listening to you, you know, your instinct, to your gut feeling about what is right for you and what isn't. And uh, with Tim's latest work and uh, the scientific, I think that's the key thing that came out in that interview, you know, the, the fact that, you know, Tim only relates to, you know, scientific proven, you know, facts, actual studies, as opposed to a lot of other people that are just, you know, going on anecdotal evidence or what they read on Google or something like that. And uh, I mm-hmm. think, you know, Tim, Tim's got it so right, and you summed it up beautifully, man. If you just listen to yourself, um, and as I said to you the other day, I, you know, I just refused for so long. I refused to go, you know, without a goo every half an hour. I, I refused to go without, you know, bottles and bottles of Gatorade. Um, and, and I'm not picking on particular brands. I don't mean to be disrespectful to Gatorade or goo when I, when I, but they just sum up that general, you know, whole sports nutrition uh, and sports fuel uh, feel. Mm. Um, but for so long, I just would not go without, you know, my two to 400 calories per hour. Uh, and nowadays, man, I go out and, uh, you know, late last year I was doing three and four hour runs on uh, a handful of nuts and, and, uh, my electrolyte with no sugar in it. And so there you go. That, that's, that's incredible. You know, three years ago when I was training for my first marathon, um, I was doing 20 mile long runs and I would have a station set up. I was I would do like a a course where every two miles uh, I would I would have a Gatorade set up for myself so I could make sure that I got my fluids and I got the sugar that was in the Gatorade because I knew that that was so important. But then I read Tim's book Waterlogged and he starts to call into question this idea that we need to override our natural instincts to drink. And he says you can basically just follow your thirst. And I started thinking about that, and, and I thought, well, that makes so much sense. Of course you can. You know, why we follow our instincts and so many other things. I mean, uh, I, I go to the bathroom when my body tells me I need to go. Why would I need to override my instincts on thirst? And um, I, I started get, then I st- as I started getting into the paleo thing, I started trying to get away from the sugar and, and started thinking, well, maybe I don't need to take in as much sugar. I mean, that makes sense that 
you know, in, in an ancestral environment, we didn't have food with us all the time, so maybe my body can burn the natural fat it has. And I just started experimenting with taking in less and less sugar and only drinking when I really felt like I needed it. And man, that just really liberated my running. I mean, I didn't have to worry so much about how many bottles of water I was going to take with me because on most runs, if it was under 15 miles, I didn't need to take much of anything. So that, for me, that was just a huge liberating experience. And uh, hearing Tim uh, tell about it and write his books about it has just been a, a lot of fun for me as a runner. Yeah. And uh, you know the thing I got out of that last interview with uh, Tim on uh, on the Paleo Runner podcast was when uh, Dr. Noakes said it took him, uh, you know, I think about 14 months to finally break the habit of uh, of having a Coke and stuff like that. And that has given me so much joy, man, because, uh, you know, I, I've been really trying to, um, you know, get rid of the, the, the grains and the sugars out of my, my whole lifestyle. And, man, I struggle. I yeah, Like Sunday morning, uh, Mrs. Coach and I, uh, we did a a pretty tough uh, – it finished up being around about, I think, 16, 17K Sunday long run, but we finished with a 3K set of hill repeats on uh, a climb that I call La Bruja. And, uh, mm. you know, it. we were absolutely shattered when we finished. And uh, the first thing we reached for was that icy cold can of Coke, man, which just tastes <laughs> – you know, it tastes so good. And, uh, you know – but I think, you know, as, as we spoke about last week, Monday to Friday, I'm pretty religious. You know, I, uh, I, no processed foods, no grains, no, you know, uh, very little potato. Um, you know, I'm really good Monday to Friday. But Saturday, Sunday, I let my head down a bit. I have a couple of beers, some potato chips, and I think we can afford to have a, you know, one can of Coke at the end of a long run. But, uh, yeah, it, it just is such a hard thing when you actually make that step to try and get that you know, excess sugar out of out of your diet and all those processed foods, man, it is a tough road to hoe. But you can do it, you know. And I, I I've got the willpower of a of a pencil, you know, <laughs> and I've been able to do it. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'm I'm getting so much benefit out of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I for me, cutting back on the sugar was a huge one. It, that was really difficult. And uh, like you said, having a coke now and then, especially after a long run, might be okay. You know. I, I don't think that's a big deal. But it's it's the idea that we need to we don't need to have a Coke at every meal or every time we have lunch and things like that. It's it's basically cutting back on on your consumption of sugars and things like uh, grains that might mess up your gut. I know for me, uh, cutting back on grains has really helped heal my gut. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, one thing I would disagree with with Noakes about is uh, he has type two diabetes, and so he's really uh, says that he has to keep his carbohydrates very, very low. And I've tried cutting back on my carbs to his level just to see what would happen. And, man, that, that just uh, didn't quite work for me. Um, now what I do is I try to keep my carbohydrates to things like uh, fruit. So I'll have bananas, I'll have apples, uh, things like that. And, uh, and I'll also include, let's say, potatoes. But I actually include potatoes because one thing I've found from doing a lot of reading about the paleo diet is our ancestors actually did uh, gather starchy tubers from underground and they would put them by the fire and cook those. And so that was part of the diet. It wasn't a massive part like it is today, but uh, I try to have uh, some of those, what, what we put, call in the paleo movement, safe starches. So basically a potato doesn't have any gluten or anything like that in it. Um, and it's a lot easier to digest, whereas something like wheat 
not to mess up your dige- digestion. So I include small amounts of things like potatoes, sweet potatoes, um, uh, bananas, and some other fruit. But the, the, the point is now that it's not the main part of my diet. It's just a supplement to supplement my running and to just make me feel good throughout the day. I'm also including those healthy fats that Tim talks about that really help me uh, stay satiated throughout the day. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, in his defense, what uh, what Tim Noakes kind of said towards the end of that interview, uh, he sort of stepped away from that a little bit and said, you know, look, you've got to find that level of, of carbohydrate, you know, whether it's 50 grams, you know, if that's not working for you, you might need to bump it up to, uh, you know, 75, 100, 150 and find that level. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, man. It's... Uh, I th- and, and look, I had a few days uh, over the last few weeks where I was down below 50 grams per day for a few days in a row. And, uh, man, I ended up cranky as uh, my head wasn't in it. Um, and once yep. I sort of got it back up around that sort of 70 to 80, um, I hit like a sweet spot there for a few days um, leading into the weekend and felt fantastic. Energy levels were awesome. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the thing that gave it away for me, and I was thinking about this last week as well, uh, you know, both Mrs. Coach and I, we, we throw a lot of training uh, at our bodies and have done for many, many years. And, you know, I got to the point where I, I lined up for a 100 miler last year, late last year. And the training that I did leading into that, uh, that race should have seen me at pretty low body fat levels. And yet I fronted up to the line with still a good amount of podge around my waist and on my hips, all, all the usual places that you get it as an older man. You know, uh, the man boobs were still sort of jiggling around and, you know, yeah. and I'm thinking I shouldn't have this amount of body fat. And that was when the penny really dropped for me because I hadn't really gone the extra mile and fat adapted myself. And I was still relying too much on, you know, day to day input of sugar into the system to keep myself ticking along. And uh, that proved it to me forever, man, because it's, uh, you know, once you really lock into getting that 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 grain and sugar or in my case the grain and sugar out of the diet man the uh, the body fat levels are dropping um you know and my, and my body size is dropping and that's a great sign for me mm-hmm. well that's a great thing to hear i mean that's one thing that that tim talked about as well is once he's once he cut back on the carbs his he just lost buckets of weights and that's that's a common thing that that you hear in the with people in the paleo diet is is that when they moderate their carbs, they seem to be able to control their hunger better. And that's just a great thing. And another thing that a lot of people experience is that they don't have to constantly count their calories. And, uh, you know, even me as a lean guy, um, I, I want to be as lean as possible because I believe that's going to help me run faster. And I, but I don't want to have to be constantly counting my calories. And uh, being able to eat those high-fat foods, things like cheese, sour cream, um, and uh, some paleo folks might uh, might disagree with the dairy aspect, but I found that dairy is okay with me. But uh, things that are full fat, even like coconut milk or coconut oil, those are great sources of foods that uh, really keep me sustained throughout the day and then are able to fuel my running as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think at the end of the day, I, I, I don't put too much of a tag on, on the way I eat. I just eat. Uh, you know, people say, oh, well, what, sort of, what sort of diet's this? No, it's not a diet, man. It's just how I live and how I eat. And what, mm-hmm. I'm, what I'm really doing is I'm focusing on, on nutrient-dense foods um, and, uh, you know, higher fat levels and the least amount of carbohydrate I can get away with 
uh, at any meal and, and over you know a period of time, and that's all I'm aiming for. And uh, and so I think you know you know some paleo people are t- you know they're a bit like the other guys on the other side. They're they're, they're too rigid, and I think you've got to have things in uh, your eating pattern and your lifestyle that work for you that aren't necessarily paleo, as we put it in inverted commas or something like that. So I think you know I. For me, dairy just doesn't sit with me, but I love my cheese. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I only drink black coffee or black tea. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big sort of dairy consumer. You know, I like my bit of ice cream uh, and, uh, and as I say, my cheese. But so, you know, it just doesn't fit in there. But if I wanted it, I think you can fit it in there as long as at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's high fat, low carbohydrate. Uh, but more importantly, I think you just as long as you're living a life and eating that leaves you with high energy levels, the least amount of body size possible and the ability to get up and get at it every single day. That's what you're aiming for, I think. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I mentioned last time that it's, it's something that, uh, from my experience, I don't think you have to go all in. Uh, you can experiment. You can, uh, you can cut back on your carbohydrates or cut back on your grains and see how you feel. And as you're doing that, try adding in some of these foods, something like high, uh, whole milk cheeses, or you can add in some coconut milk into your smoothie instead of low-fat uh, milk. Um, you can you can add a little coconut oil to when you're when you're sautéing some food like a, a stir fry. Try using some coconut oil, which is a great source of fat, and uh, just see how you feel and, and really listen to your body. Absolutely, man. Mrs. Coach has been feeding me that much coconut stuff lately, man. I'm starting to look like a coconut. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, and, and again for. Um, you know, for uh, for a guy that that grew up in uh, you know late fifties, early sixties, um, man, the the thought of of having coconut milk or almond milk, man, it, it just never. You know, that's not how we grew up. We grew up on full cream milk, like I say, meat and three veg. But then again, you know, uh, growing up as a kid, we never had access to uh, the amount of processed food that we have today. And I think that has been the real uh, thing that we've, you know, that we've overlooked over the last 20 years is the, the way that, uh, that processed food and high levels of sugar in those foods have sort of crept their way, you know, into uh, our lives. I think that's been the real, uh, the real killer. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious now, when you were a younger guy and you were, uh, you were eating the, the three vegetables a day with some meat, uh, were you leaner then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I... I, uh, up until probably, uh, again, so, you know, I was already playing sport. I was playing soccer at, uh, at, uh, five, six, I was already racing push bikes, uh, you know, by the time I was seven or eight, uh, and then I haven't stopped since. And so, uh, you know, all the way through, uh, going into a professional soccer career and then racing and training as a competitive, uh, triathlete and runner and cyclist. Um, I had no weight issues until probably, uh, sort of getting into, I would say early 90s, into the 90s, uh, when I think that's when the real, you know, processed food, we just everything, you know, easy meals, you know, uh, mm. uh, you know, ready prepared food. That's when it, it, it changed for me. So as a young person, uh, eating that highly unprocessed, simple diet, uh, no weight problems, uh, through the 90s into the 2000s, lots more processed food. Now, still training and racing, and uh, it's only been the last... Oh, three or four years that I've really cut back, uh, you know, on my competitive uh, racing. So up until, uh, so I'm 57 this year. So up until when I was still sort of 49, 50, 51, 52, 
you know, I was still going at my racing pretty hard and winning races, um, and but was having weight problems all the way through that. So I, you know, I think that '90s onwards, when the processed food really started to get into our lifestyle, mm-hmm. I had heaps of weight problems. But early on that meat and three veg, absolutely no weight problems whatsoever. Super mm-hmm. lean. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I even look back at photos of when Mrs. Coach and I first got married, and that's you no know, God, that's a lifetime ago, 1982. Um, and uh, I was, you know, string bean then. You know, I was probably mm. uh, at the moment I'm hovering around sort of 74 to 76 kilos, which, you know, I, I think I could be down around 70. But back then, uh, I think I was 61 or 62. Uh, okay. and, and pretty lean when we got married. So, yeah, I think meat and three veg and porridge for breakfast, no weight problems. Um, getting into uh, all this high-tech sports nutrition and, uh, you know, having a higher carbohydrate breakfast, dosing up on carbohydrate the night before a race, man, I think all that did was uh, was probably slowed me down a bit and put too much uh, body fat on me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how long have you been doing the endurance-type training? Oh, probably the the better part of uh, the last oh, 90, sort of maybe 95 into 97. Uh, so probably about 90, sort of 95 to 97, I started to move across. My, my specialty was, um, was uh, track cycle racing, uh, sprint okay. distance and sprint distance and Olympic distance triathlon. Um, and then, you know, half marathon, 10K to half marathon was where I was really good um, in running and then I moved more to marathons and then ultras, uh, Ironman racing, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, long distance stage racing on the bike. Um, and I think the move to endurance coupled with high levels of processed food, yeah, it didn't work. Didn't, mm-hmm. it, you know, and I think if I had have been a more fat adapted athlete, and that's one of the things I'm going to be testing, you know, over the next four or five years, um, I, I got some things going on in my head where as an older uh, senior citizen, <laughs> fat adapted. <laughs> see, you know, I'm really keen to see how my racing and training goes as a fat adapted athlete over the next few years for sure. And and and, right. and I got no plans on slowing down, man. I'll still be doing what I'm doing now when I'm 97. Trust me, I I, I you know I love being out there and being active. And uh, unlike some people that sort of get to 60 and think it's uh, you know time to to put it all away, man, I'll still be doing this when I'm 97. I just uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, that's great to hear. You know, I just saw an article on Facebook. Someone had posted about a, a 91-year-old lady who had just finished a marathon in seven hours and seven minutes, I think it was. And uh, I hope I'm there some day, too. No, I don't think she was fat adapted because she was eating a, a bunch of pretzels along the way. But, uh, hey, if that works for her, I'll, I'll give her props for that. Yeah, I love seeing stuff like that, man. You know, and, and I saw that post and... Uh, you know, that sort of thing fires me up because there's guys going around. Uh, I think uh, the Ironman record at the moment is held by guys 82 or 84. And so straight away, that gives me a benchmark. That's like, you know, 25 years from now. Um, right. You know, so it, these are the things that fire me up. When you see people like that, that 91-year-old woman, you know, running a, a marathon, it fires me up, man. A lot of people sort of look at it and dismiss it, but I look at it and I look at it and look at it and look at it, and it just gets me fired up out of my tree, man. And I think... You know, uh, I always believe if someone can do it, you can do it. You know, it's, it's, if they can do it, you can do it, man. There's no reason why you can't. Exactly. Yeah, longevity is one of those things that I'm really interested in. You know, I want to live a long time, and I'd like to 
run a long time. And, and that's another aspect to this higher fat diet is, is that a lot of runners, what they've found is as they run more marathons, they tend to get, uh, one study showed more arterial plaque buildup. And when I talked to Tim the other day, he had mentioned that one of the reasons could be is because they're eating such, a lot of marathoners are eating such high processed food diets, high carbohydrate diets that they really don't need because if you're running slowly, uh, you know, into those older ages, you're going to be able to burn the fat. You, you're going to be running at a pace. If you're running the marathon in four hours, you, you're probably going to be at a pace where you you can burn the fat just fine. But he thinks that a lot of the reason that for this uh, heart problems with the marathoners is because they're eating this processed, high carbohydrate, high sugar diet. And uh, if, I, if I can, uh, you know, live as long as possible and keep running for as long as possible, that, that's a goal of mine as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, as a, as a professional coach, I read a lot of studies and uh, to, to sort of try and sort, um, you know, the, the wheat from the chaff, suppose, you know, so to speak. And, and I've mm-hmm. read two different studies on arterial damage in uh, long-distance endurance athletes that are on high carbohydrate diet and and again that was something else going around in my mind that you know uh there's just there's just way too much evidence pointing us away from eating that high carbohydrate diet uh, as an endurance athlete and i think more and more we're going to see this unravel over uh, coming years as guys like uh, tim noakes do more and more scientific studies and those papers get released we're going to f- see people moving away from the whole uh high carbohydrate uh, regimen for you know endurance athletes and and moving more to being you know fat adapted or moving back in time and becoming you know uh, the 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 skinny long distance athletes that we always were you know forty thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. Is that you say it's a, it's actually moving back in time to how a lot of cultures around the world ate you know uh, for thousands of years and it's it's a lot of people might think that it's just a fad type type diet, but I think there's a little more to it because, you know, uh, 40,000 years ago, we didn't have things like bread or, or sugar and things like that around. So we had to eat what we could find. And what, what they've uh, found is that uh, hunter-gatherers tend to eat the fattest parts of the meat that they catch. So the first thing that they'll do is crack open the bones and eat the marrow because that has tons of great saturated fat that can help fuel their, you know, their adventures to catch more meat. And, uh, the, the lean meat, is it, they'll eat it, but uh, they go for the fattiest parts like the liver and the bone marrow. And uh, that's, that's another thing I've tried to include more in my diet is, is uh, some of those nutrient-dense tissues like, like liver. I try to have that at least once a week. And uh, it's just chock full of vitamins, iron, which is especially uh, important for distance runners. And it also has some great vitamin A. It has some copper and and some selenium, and these are things that are hard to get from other foods. So including the, some of those, you know, more ancient-type foods in your diet is really going to help you as, a, as an athlete, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I've been making bone broth and, uh, and absolutely loving it, you know. And, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, again, I can remember as a kid, you know, you would get that uh, what we call a chop, a, a cut of meat that had a, a, a fairly open bone in it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you would suck as a kid, you would suck the marrow out of those bones and not think about it. And these days, uh, a lot of the meat that we get is clean cut, you know, it's cut off the bone and it's a very lean cut. Um, yep. and so I've, I've gone back to making, you know, a bone broth so that I'm getting that, that stuff out of the inside of the bones. 
um, you know, uh, in a broth that you can then, you know, uh, fish all the bones and everything out and uh, have a few onions and a bit of garlic and uh, a few light veggies in there, some cabbage or something, and, and it's, uh, it's a great meal. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Now, when you make a broth, uh, you know, I, I haven't made it as much as I want because it's kind of tedious. Now, do you, is it a long process for you or, or how, how easy is it to make that? Oh, it's absolutely easy, Aaron. Uh, we have a slow cooker. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you, you know, like we call them a crock pot or a slow cooker and right. we use that a lot. We use it so much, uh, and it just sits on the kitchen counter. And, uh, so when we head off in the morning, uh, you know, we just fill it up with the bones, uh, fill it up with water, throw some garlic in there, uh, throw some onion in there, uh, maybe one carrot, um, you know, a handful of beans, uh, you know, some cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, whatever you've got laying around, just throw it all in there, switch it on put the lid on it, go about your business for the day and uh, you come back four, five, six, seven hours later and it's been doing all the work while you've been gone. Most of us are away at work for a day. You can even put it on before you go to bed at night, leave it running overnight, you know, and it's, it does all the work for you. Um, then all I've simply been doing is I, I just fish all the bones out and, uh, yeah. and then sort of scoop all the, uh, scoop all the liquid and the veggies out uh, checking for any bone bits as I go. Now, that, that can be a little bit tedious, but, man, I think, is it better to spend, you know, 20 minutes in the kitchen doing that or 20 minutes on the lounge watching TV? Yeah, that, right. That, that's the choices I think we've got to start to make. You know, we can, I think so much of our time just disappears, you know, in front of the, uh, the television, um, you know, or on our cell phone, you know, playing games. I think, you know, I'm starting. I'm starting to preach now, but you know, I think you know. For me, it's not a big process making a bone broth or any sort of slow cooker is really easy. These things, you know, you can buy these slow cookers for next to nothing at the shops. They virtually give them away because people, I don't know, maybe they don't realise or they don't, you know, they don't know how to use them. But I find it really easy, man. A handful of bones from the butchers, a bit of water, some veggies, and the thing's done. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I really need to try to do that more often, or at least find a way to do it faster because like you said uh fishing out all the bones and getting all the bits out is is the biggest hassle for me but maybe just buying a good strainer or something like that well i've done that i've 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 just scooped it out and run it through uh like a colander like a sieve and uh and you lose a few of the veggies but then really all you're after is the flavored broth with all that goodness in it and then i get the bones out and i suck the bits and pieces out of the bones and and you know get it and make sure i got all the goodness um, mm-hmm. so yeah, even if you just sieved it out and, and sacrifice those veggies, you're still getting the goodness anyway, man. And you've got a beautiful broth that, um, and, uh, a slow cooker makes me enough for, uh, for four or five meals. And then you can throw, uh, you know, a salad beside it, some extra veggies. Um, you know, there's so much you can do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it is worth it. It's something that I'd like to put more in practice, but, uh, there's, there's actually some amino acids in the bones. Um, I believe it's proline and glycine that you really can't get from muscle meat um and those are great as far as building things like collagen in in your body um you know we talked about longevity and i want to keep my cartilage as as young as possible and you know uh it's it seems uh it's it's a great idea to actually eat some of that cartilage that is along with the bone so if you can find a, a knuckle bone or something like that uh that's a great way to try to regenerate some of the, your natural cartilage as well Absolutely, man. Because we've known for a long time now that the only way the material that your um, that your cartilage in your body is made from, there's some you know, it's very hard to source that in uh, the environment unless you are 
actually gnawing on bones or uh, eating, uh, you know, shellfish and and getting all that byproduct of gnawing on a bone or a shellfish, um, you know, in your diet. So, yeah, spot on, man, spot on. Exactly, yep. So, dude, talk us through uh, just quickly uh, the whole paleorunner.org, you know, uh, just to wrap it up, how, how that came to be and, uh, you know, what you do over there and how people can find you, where they can find their way to uh, to listen to you and uh, to read about you. Yeah, sure. Well, you know, it, it started uh, about a year ago when, uh, well, now I think it's it's might have been uh, two years now, but uh, I, I started on this thing called the Paleo Diet and I had amazing success as far as my digestive issues. Uh, I used to have uh, have to plan my runs according to a certain bathroom schedule so so that I would have to if I ran longer than an hour I'd have to have a portable uh, portable stop on the way like at a gas station or a porta potty uh, just because uh, my gut was so messed up I tried the paleo diet and it, and it just turned things around it and I it was pretty life-changing for me so I I started this blog and podcast just to try to learn more about it and to try to share uh, this idea of the paleo diet and paleo run, running with other runners out there. Uh, so if they were having similar issues, you know, it's a way that they could, they, they could get help. And it, more than just the digestive issues, it's just been uh, great for me all around. My well-being has really improved. My headaches went away. I, don't ha- I hardly have any acne anymore. Even at 29, I still had some acne, and I hardly ever get a pimple anymore. So uh, I have more energy throughout, more energy as well. So it's really turned things around for me, and and I'm just trying to share that with other people. And so yeah, if, if people want to go there, I write a little bit about my training as well, um, and I've got some great uh, interviews with with a lot of uh, running coaches and things like that, and and paleo experts over there. Yep, paleorunner.org. If uh, memory serves me right. Yes, that's right. Yep. Not bad for an old fellow, eh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh, of course links there to uh to the podcast as well yeah exactly uh if you just go to itunes or stitcher and search for paleo runner you'll find it as well but uh you can find everything at paleorunner.org yeah absolutely go and check it out guys uh you you often hear me tell you to go and listen to other podcasts and i think this is one that you want to put on your list go to itunes and uh, find the paleo runner podcast subscribe to it start working your way through the back catalog man you have got uh, a bit of something for everybody amongst all your shows you've had some great uh specialists and doctors uh on the show talking about everything from uh you know from eating to uh to running shoes and equipment uh biomechanics man you've got it all over there yeah yeah you know that's what i'm just trying to uh get the whole spectrum yeah and that's what we're going to talk about next time next time we catch up man we're going to talk more about uh running shoes and uh and the whole minimalist running uh well fad it's apparently it's a fad it's like the uh, paleo it's a fad so uh <laughs> we better catch up soon before the fad runs out man exactly yeah yeah anytime give me a call absolutely and uh guys the one thing i do want you to check out while you're over there at uh, paleorunner.org is uh i think it might have been your latest blog uh, the blog you wrote on minimalist training yeah yeah that's uh you know that's a way that i've been training that's worked for me i've had a lot of injuries in the past and it's it's just another one of those things that i thought might help other people uh i don't think it's going to necessarily work for everybody but basically it consists of doing less volume and more quality and it's a it's a way that i've trained for the past three years now and at first i didn't know what was going to happen but as i started reducing my volume and just focusing more on my, the quality of my runs, I actually started getting faster and I was 
kind of surprised by that. So I've just been putting out blog posts here and there, a little bit about what I've been doing. Um, I've run a couple sub three hour marathons just on 25 miles a week. Um, so I think uh, for me, it's been a great way to just reduce injuries and actually have more fun when I'm running. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we spoke about the other day, and I'm sure we'll speak about more, uh, it's how we train a lot of our people these days, less mileage, um, uh, you know, less volume, more intensity. And uh, I've referred quite a few people to go and look at that blog post uh, in the last few weeks, man, because I think uh, some people need to read it. Of course, there'll still be people out there, as we spoke about, that uh, need the volume. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. there is a place for volume for some athletes in some circumstances, but I think a lot more people would get a lot more benefit uh, by, you know, just doing a bit less volume, a bit more intensity. Uh, you still got to train for the race. You know, if you're doing an Ironman or a, or a hundred miler, there's still a certain amount of volume's got to go in there. But I think uh, by and large, you've, you've really nailed it with that article, man. So well done. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right, guys. Well, we'll just about wrap it up there again. Aaron, thank you so much for uh, for doing this again, man. I know uh, this is take two, but uh, fingers crossed, man. I hope the audio is okay this time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks thanks a lot. It was It's great being on the show, and thanks for the great questions. Fantastic. Well, guys, don't go away. We're going to uh, throw a little bit of music on now, and we'll uh, be right back on the other side to tidy it all up. Don't go away. Thank you ever so much, Aaron Olson. Go and check it out, guys. Paleorunner.org.